With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Big Ticket Variety and iHeart's movie podcast. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. This week, I've got Kumal Nanjiani. The funny man talks about his new comedy, Stuber. Plus, we get serious about politics and what he's saying about starring in that new Marvel movie, The Eternals. Find out what he told me right after this. I'm Robert Evans, host of Behind the Bastards, and it could happen here. And boy, it does seem to be happening here. I'm going to guess most of the people listening to this are deeply concerned with what they saw happen in Washington, D.C. on January 6th. And I'm here to tell you it was a fascist insurrection, an attempt by fascists to take over our democracy. And it didn't happen in a historical vacuum. There have been numerous attempts, many of them successful, by fascist movements to take over democracies over the last century. In order to protect yourself, in order to protect your family and your very freedom, you need to understand this history and the history of the different anti-fascist movements that have fought, sometimes successfully, often unsuccessfully, to stop the same things from happening in their own countries. The knowledge of this history is important, and it's maybe the only thing that can save us. So, if you're as concerned as I am, listen to Behind the Insurrections on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to The Big Ticket. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. This is Kumal Nanjiani. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. You're an action star. Oh, my God. Thank you so much for <laughs> saying that. I don't know if you believe it, but I appreciate you saying it. Stuber. Yes. How did it come about, you and Dave Batista just having a lot of fun? Yeah. Um, I just got the script before Dave was attached, and there was a director, Michael Douse, and I read the script, and I thought it was fun i thought it was really fun and so i told you know my agent i was like i like this and they're like well you know they've already cast both parts and i was like well then why did you give it to me <laughs> um and i can't name who it was i but was, it was just gonna say did you do you know who it was? i do it was really good cast um <laughs> one person i'm friends with it and one person i'm not friends with but who's a, a movie star and uh and then a couple months went by and they were like hey so that version fell apart it's back around would you want to meet with the director? I said, sure. So I met with the director, and he said that he wanted Dave Batista to be the other guy. And I said, well, if you get Dave, <laughs> then, you know, let's keep talking. Because right. I, I was a huge fan of Dave's, and we have mutual friends, and I knew that he was a great guy. And I just love his work. I'd never worked with anyone like that. So that was what was really exciting to me. And then I was like, I think that there are ways in which we can 
discuss things in this format that I haven't seen discussed in a mainstream movie like this, an action comedy. So, so then that was the next step was sort of trying to see if we could uh, do that stuff. In this well, movie. tell me, tell me about you. Do a chemistry read with David Hesse. Do you have chemistry right away? We do a chemistry read. We do it. I think it's like Saturday at eight a.m. because Dave is in between <laughs> shooting like two Avengers movies or something. <laughs> so he flies in that morning. He shows up. And it's really nerve-wracking. We're in like these wooden chairs in a spare room pretending like I'm driving a car. <laughs> I literally have to do the wheel, steering wheel motion. You know, we do like six scenes from the movie. So this isn't just us hanging out in a room. We're like oh, working yeah. with the director scenes from the beginning of the movie all up until the end. I believe we do. We didn't do the final scene, but we did one of the final scenes. Wow. So it's, I remember feeling really nervous because even though they say you're the only one we're talking to, you know that whenever you're opening that door mm -hmm. to like a chemistry read that anything can happen right. even if they're like you have the offer it's yours and so i was nervous and dave was also nervous and so i think that helped bond us and i think that the director really wanted us so he was right. really working with us but it was you know, 8 a.m. on a Saturday, it's just like Who not do you have chemistry with on 8 a.m. on a Saturday? I know, but i did know with dave i was like oh I could tell that we look funny together because <laughs> we're very different looking people. And I knew that we had very different energies. So I mm -hmm. was like, even though that room, you know, I could tell that I really liked him. I wouldn't know what our on-screen chemistry right. would be, but I knew that, that we could make it work. And he's the nicest guy. It's like, really? He's the biggest. Like, if he's coming towards you, you sort of say, Ugh. And then he's, I mean, it's so cliche, but he's a teddy bear. Well, he really is. And I think it's because if you're a big guy like that, you don't have to be a dick. <laughs> like, you know, if you're a small guy like me, I have to like posture and, and pretend to be a man, right. you know, and he's If you're just, Napoleon, that's he, what happens. Right. Yeah. He's, he, he's the opposite of Napoleon, whatever it is. He has all the power, so he doesn't need to posture or have any of that machismo stuff at right. all. He's just a very emotional, sincere man. What was it like getting in the car with him for the first time? Because like you said, you both look very, I mean, he takes up like three quarters of the front seat he, and you're on the corner. He's a very, very big guy and it's not a huge car. And we actually did then when we got there, we did tests in the car to make sure that we could shoot because he's so big. Did you test different types of cars? No, we always, it was always a Nissan Leaf. <laughs> From the script, it was always a Nissan Leaf. Um, it was great being in the car with him. Mm -hmm. We were shooting in the summer in Atlanta, and it gets very, very warm. Oof. But it was great because it was just like bonding. You know, the, the hard thing is, I love car scenes in movies. I I love them, especially car scenes at night. I love watching them. And if I write something, I always put in a scene. <laughs> but they're so hard to shoot. Mm. They're like a nightmare because if you're shooting during the day and you're not doing green screen, you have to like drive back around to the spot <laughs> and you do the take for three minutes and then it takes you 10 minutes to drive around. So it's very hard to get into a rhythm. But once you get it, it right. looks great. <laughs> um, and so those like, you know, 10 minutes driving back around the block in, in like Atlanta summer traffic, we really got to know each other. We played a lot of music for each other and so I kind of talked about everything. So. It was really, truly a bonding experience. And then you add a pit bull to the mix. And the pit bull was very, very sweet. Um, and Dave is a big dog fan and mm -hmm. was like em em empathetically connected to this dog. It was like a, <laughs> they had a connection. And we'd be shooting and he'd be like, we got to cut. Uh, he's, he's too hot. He's heating up. We gotta, he needs a break. And I'm like, Dave, 
what are we doing? <laughs> and so like Dave would force us to take breaks because he could tell that this dog uh, was Stroker, was the dog's name. <laughs> that Stroker was just not comfortable. Not happy. You want mm. to go back to his trailer. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Stroker, and you know, so we shot with Stroker for a little while. Then Stroker goes away. Stroker comes back. And he's so excited to see Dave because Dave has been like Stroker's best friend on set. You know, it's really, really sweet. So tell me about the training you had to do for the movie. I'm assuming some of the stunt work that was you being thrown around. It was, but the bare minimum. I'm not like Tom Cruise or Jackie Chan. I'm like, these guys are better at it. It looks better when they do it. I did the minimum I could do while still looking like I was doing it. Mm -hmm. um, I honestly went into it not having thought about the physical aspect of right. it at all, which was really stupid. Because <laughs> usually, you know, I do a lot of work going into them. I'm like, oh, this, these are the emotional beasts. This is the character. This is how he changes. This is what this is. So I do all that. And I'd done all that. And I got there. And I was doing the first physical scene. And I was like, oh, this is a whole other type of acting that I've never thought about, never mm. done. But watching Dave was good because he's so good at that stuff. Um, and you just sort of try and learn and pick it up on the while you're doing it. Right. Um, when I'm acting, I don't like to watch takes of myself, but when I was doing the action stuff, I did like to watch because it's kind of the opposite type of acting in that normal, like acting, acting, you're supposed to forget that you're acting, you're in the moment, you're really sort of doing it. There's no real, it's not an intellectual thing, it's an mm -hmm. emotional thing, whereas stunt acting or fighting is purely intellectual. You're mm. really thinking like, all right, I do this, then I do this, right. now I do this. If you do that in a normal scene, she says this, now I say this, you're dead. Right. But in that, in a fight scene, you really have to do that. You have mm -hmm. to know the math of it. And so that was interesting because then I could watch the, the takes and be like, okay, so here when I do this, it, it's not working. I felt like in between the moves, I was kind of going dead. And I realized <laughs> you kind of have to like sort of always be moving and mm -hmm. keeping it alive. So did you get hurt at all? I got hurt. I mean, I got bruised. I didn't really get injured. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I mean, so just like... So there's a scene where we're crawling out of the car when it's upside down. And it doesn't seem like, you know, we're just crawling out of a car. But you do that 15 times in a row, and it really starts hurting because I have to crawl out of the car. And Dave is hurt at that point, so I'm sort of supporting him. Right. And we run down, like, in one shot, it's like two blocks. So we did that like 10 times. And that was by far the most physically taxing because you have to crawl up, help him up. He's sort of being supported by you and then run two blocks as fast as you can at three in the morning. Yeah, that was brutal. That's pretty brutal. Yeah, and the director kept being like, can we do one more? Can we do one more? And of course, it's like all edited in the movie. Right. It's not like one take. So it was a little more violent than I thought it was going to be. Same. I didn't realize how violent it was because the opening action scene I wasn't there for because I'm not in it. Ah. And then later for a lot of the... I was there when I'm doing the stuff, but I wasn't there when they were getting the other side of it. Right. It's a lot more violent than I thought. Well, I did. also, it's the first rated R movie Disney's releasing since 2013, since it's a Fox movie and now it's a Disney movie. What was the 2013 movie? The Fifth Estate. Okay. Well, <laughs> but I you're know. you're a rated R Disney movie. Well, it's been honestly, we were nervous about the merger, but it's been great. They've been very, very supportive. You know, we've had the marketing meetings, and they really love the movie, and they're really pushing it. And it's hard, you know. It's the summer, and right, Disney's got two other movies coming out the week before and the week after us. It's Spider Man, or is that Sony? I don't That's know. That's Sony, that but it's part of Marvel, right? And then that other small movie. 
Lion King. <laughs> so it's Spider-Man as Lion King. So it's very tricky, especially in the summer. Like it's a very narrow target to hit, but you know, they're doing everything they can. So why should people go see this movie in the middle of all the crazy summertime? You know, I feel like there's this narrative that's happened that only big tentpole movies are the ones you need to go see in the theater, and I disagree. I think comedies are great in the theater. I think they're a great communal experience. This mm -hmm. movie has great action, so it has the spectacle that people sort of want in a summer movie. But Has but some romance? It has romance. I think it's moving. I think it's emotional, and I think it has... Uh, and it's really funny, and I think it has... I think we attempt to engage with some big ideas that movies like this don't generally engage with, you know? Uh, so. And you have, spoiler alert, I'm going to say something right now. You have really large full front. Yes, I don't. <laughs> you no, say you, you don't. Do. I mean, the, movie. the movie really does. It's really a shock. It's really. And the funniest line in the movie is Wait Betty. Minute, is that the first Disney movie with full frontal? Maybe. Betty Gilpin yes. says, did I see a dick the size of Simon Birch? <laughs> Which is a pretty funny It line. literally is the <laughs> Well, you know, so we were shooting that scene and it's happening behind me. <laughs> and so I'm doing my scene. I'm acting and they, the, he does it behind me. I don't know. And, they, you know. and it's cut. And then there's like a soft murmur and then complete silence for 30 seconds. I'm like, why is everyone being so weird? And then I see in the back guys are going up and high-fiving that guy. <laughs> and I was like, oh, and I didn't know until I watched the movie. I was like, oh, that's why everybody was Oh, you was didn't being, know? I mean, I knew, right. but, but I didn't, didn't know. I didn't know he was sweeping the floor. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. How many takes did they do on that? Only uh, like one or two, <laughs> I think. Yeah, I was a little, I was sort of like. I mean, that was a tough room to be in because it's. All Adonis is including Dave. Yeah, it was Ev all basically naked men. Everybody's and like oiled up. Beefcake, naked, yeah, like shirtless, oiled up beefcakes. <laughs> and me just like, I, you know, I watched that scene and I could see that my posture is like less confident. Like I could see in that scene my shoulders are forward and I'm slumped over and everybody else is like, I'm normal through the whole movie, but that seems the, the most like fetal that my posture is in the whole movie. Not the guns, not the fight scenes. No. It's naked that, I have never felt worse about myself. I, if I could help it, I'll never go in that room again. Well, let's talk about being an Adonis. So right now, we're on a podcast, so if you're not watching the video, you can't see this. But look at that. Well, who I, made it into men's health and his workout? What can I say? Look at you. This was a few months ago. I look way better now. <laughs> I really do. I mean, that was just like I was like a few weeks into it. I've really been working really, really hard. And where does this working out come from? Is it just Dave Batista? Sort of just Dave mm. Batista. And I just was like, you know, when I was a kid, I assumed at some point in my life I would be in, you know, like perfect i would be the perfect male form right i just assumed it would happen i would have crazy abs and it just never happened and i'm 41 now and i was like if it doesn't happen this year it's just never going to happen <laughs> so i just decided at the beginning of the year at the end of last year i was like oh next year i'm going to be in the best shape of my life so i've sort of been going it's been really really intense and i'm not there yet and you call your trainer daddy uh, just once by mistake. I really went to a primal place. <laughs> but he, he said it on Twitter. He said, good set. And I said, thank you, daddy. And then it, things were quiet again. It was sort of like that scene in Stuber. Um, yeah, it's been it's it's been a very interesting experience. Some good, some bad. Are you eating better, too? Or are you like, yes. Yeah. Just being aware. So basically, I don't know how this is boring, but I did a bulk. So I did 
basically ate a lot of protein, but also whatever I wanted. So mm. I ate French fries, I ate ice cream for like four months, and now I'm cutting. So now I'm on the crazy diet. And so uh, now it's like no sugar, no, like no sugar. You're talking to the guy who had carrot cake for breakfast. Listen, I <laughs> love desserts, but I've been eating whatever I want for four months. And this actually doesn't feel that hard. <laughs> it feels like, oh, thank God. Um, I was eating a meal right before going to bed. He wanted me to eat a meal, a full meal. Mm. So at like 11, 11, 30 p.m., I would eat a full meal and go to bed. So how so, much weight did you put on by the end of that? Too much. <laughs> I... At, this is going to sound horrible. Go ahead. At its most, I had put on 30 pounds. <laughs> wow. Yeah, but now I've, I'm back. I've, I've cut out a lot of that, and I'll probably end up being... I'll still weigh a lot more than I did right. in Stuba. But, but it'll be muscle. Yeah. So, you know, I did a body scan every other week to make sure I was getting the right wow. kind of weight. And it was very scientific. It was all very, um, it was all very specific stuff. Now we're going to take a short break, but when we come back, find out what Kumal says about starring in The Eternals. Do you ever wish you could get more from your podcast? Well, you can with BuzzFeed Daily, hosted by me, Casey Rackham. And me, Zach Safford. On our show, we've got more good news and more pop culture. More memes and more celebrity tea. More of everything that's blowing up your timeline and trending on the internet. Every weekday evening, we're giving you more of what you need to enjoy your day. Because what's life if it isn't to be enjoyed? Listen to BuzzFeed Daily on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And here's more with Kumal Nanjiani. Now I have to ask, is some of it for this rumored movie, Eternals? I, I cannot comment on that. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great to be part of a superhero franchise? It would be so great to be part of a superhero <laughs> film. I would love it You'd so much. You'd be eternally grateful, wouldn't you? Oh, forever. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> when are we going to see you and Emily getting in? What's your next project? What are you going to do? So we have a show for Apple. Little America. Little America yeah. that comes out. They haven't told us. I'm not even hiding it. Uh, somewhere in the fall. And it's an anthology of immigrant stories. Yes? It's an anthology of immigrant stories based on true stories of immigrants. So it's eight episodes, about a half hour each, all oh. short. And they're all like really slice of life stories. And is it, is it more documentary or is it scripted? Scripted. Scripted. So okay. we did take liberties with that. It was sort of what we did with The Big Sick in right. that we took a real life story and then um, fictionalized it. And right. that's what we did. Uh but these are real stories, and they're all very small stories, very human stories. These aren't, you know, we we didn't really have a political agenda or anything. It's mm -hmm. just like, but although, is it? But isn't it political? Anything yes. that says immigrant at this point, anything that says immigrants are human beings, is, <laughs> right. a, is a strong political <laughs> statement. Unfortunately, so that's where we are, and. Uh, yeah, I'm really, really proud of the show. We're almost done with it. It's all done shooting. Um, we're working on the last two, all done editing. It's uh, me, Emily, Alan Yang, uh, Lee Eisenberg, uh -huh. Josh Behrman, um, Sean Hader, it's, uh, Arthur Spector. It's, been, it's just a great group of people. And because mm. doing an anthology like this is so hard, you're basically casting a new movie each time right. with people who have not, who aren't really well known. 
So the the casting is are actors. They're not the people who were the no the no. So that but there's a story about a gay Syrian immigrant. So we were like, we want to cast a gay Syrian actor. Now, unfortunately, there aren't a lot of gay Syrian actors who right. have had a lot of exposure in American pop cultural entertainment. So then we have to sort of discover people in each episode, right? For each episode. And uh, did you discover a gay Syrian actor for this? We have gotten an amazing cast for the entire wow. I mean everybody's a star it's really amazing wow yeah would you ever screen it at the White House I would love to screen it at the White House I would love to screen it at the White House I don't think they'll have us would you sit down with President Trump no why would <laughs> I don't think if he you was... if you screen it at the White House he might be there I would I to sit down and talk to him yeah. I don't know what we would have to talk about honestly I feel like I feel like I don't think we're going to change each other's minds about anything. Mm -hmm. um, maybe I can bring him some Pakistani food and be like, hey, this tastes pretty good, right? <laughs> He'll probably be like, Pakistan no. Pakistani want... McDonald's. Right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> what is your Pakistani steak with ketchup? <laughs> I don't know if we would be able to change each other's minds on anything, so I think it would be sort of a waste of both our times. Who are you looking at at 2020? Uh, I like Kamala Harris. I like Elizabeth Warren. Um, it's still, you know, we just had the first debates, yep. uh, which was great. So it's sort of becoming a little more clear, but there are still so many candidates. <laughs> so many. I will say, and this might not be the right thing to say, I will vote for whoever the Demo Democratic candidate is. I think a lot of people are saying that. I, I, I mean, I will. I, there are people I favor, but even if the bottom of my list is right. the Democratic candidate, I am voting for them. Are you hopeful for the future? Oh, my God. Because um, I love that you wrote a piece in Time magazine about uh, a woman from Honduras who yes. was seeking um, asylum here in the U.S. Yes. And was separated from her child. Oh, my God. It was such a moving piece. Um, but when you read pieces like that, are we, do we end up hope, hopeful or not? I've always been a very hopeful person. I've always been very optimistic. But the thing that sort of, I would say, changed... I don't want to say broke my back, that sounds so dramatic, but the thing that sort of muddied the water for me is the fact that people can see images of the detention centers and the family separation and, you know, I mean, you, we've seen pictures of, of immigrant children who have passed away. I mean, we just, there was a picture of a father and a daughter. And the fact that there are people who can see that and justify it um, and not see a, a problem gives me less hope. Mm. Uh, I would think that the one thing we would have all have in common is connecting to pictures of children in strife. And, and the fact that that's not happening right now uh, gives me less hope. Because all sense of normal has been thrown out the window. Yeah, I mean, I think the best we can do is have a good structure in place. And once you have a good structure, hopefully from that, you can limit bad things and, and may hopefully make good people. I think good societies make good people and bad societies make bad people. Mm. And I think we're really on a, a sort of a cusp of deciding what kind of society we're going to be. This next election is going to be extremely, extremely important, not just for the fate of America, but for the fate of the world. How much do you see yourself getting involved? I mean, I donate a lot. Um, I was very, very vocal going into the 2016 election. I was very vocal for the 2018 um, midterms. Uh, yeah, midterms. I have been a little more quiet recently, but I'll be more. I was going to say you were a little. You've been a little bit more quiet because on I realized 
you know, I sort of had a weird moment. I realized that when I say this stuff, all I'm doing is the only people who are listening to me are the people who already agree with me. Right. And you easily you can easily move from, you know, people jump from topic to topic to topic, and I don't think there's any focus. And I decided, and again, you know, there are two ways to, you can either fight against something we can fight for something, and both are extremely valid. And I mm. feel like right now there are a lot of people who are fighting against uh, some stuff right now. And I think that's great. That's that's a great battle and extremely necessary, but I don't think that's my battle anymore. Mm. I'm trying to uh, fight for positive stuff. And so it's a, it's a little different, and I feel like, you know, if I can have ideas in the work I do uh, that hopefully can affect uh, people's minds or change people's minds about something because then I'm I'm like if 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 what if mainstream entertainment doesn't have the power to change people's thinking then what's the point of and it? And it does have the power. I it think really so. does. I mean, I just you know you really look. You're doing an anthology series called Little America. You yeah. know, you're just going to bring these stories into people's living rooms or on their watches or whatever wherever they're going to watch I it, know. and it's going to change people's minds. That's you know I always go back to right now is the show Pose. Yeah. That is just, right. you know, when my mother-in-law, who's very religious from Mexico, could sit down with my husband and watch Pose and get emotional about it. Yeah. That's change that's changing people's minds. That's changing their hearts. Yeah, I think I think that's exactly right. I mean, I know a lot of people who when I would speak about political stuff would be like, "Well, I really like Big Sick, but but now I'm not so sure." And it was always weird to me where I was like, "You liked the movie?" A movie like The Big Sick, but then you have these ideas that seem right. to be so contrary to what I think is intrinsic to to our movie. The hard thing is, you know, you 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 make a movie that has ideas that you feel positively about, and people spend two hours with that movie and think about it, mm -hmm. but then they spend the, the rest of their day hearing the opposite. Right. Uh, we have news channels that really trumpet a very specific point of view over and over and over right. and over. And it is hard to compete Break against that. that. Yeah. yeah. But I have to hope that, I have to hope there's hope. I don't <laughs> right. know what else there is, you right. know. Um, I do, again, think that if somehow the, 20, the, the, the 2020 election can go the other way, that, that we can turn things around. It's not that it's not that these ideas are new or right. that these people now feel like this. They've always felt like this. They just feel more comfortable expressing yes, how sir. they feel, and, and hopefully that will change soon. Okay. At the end of each episode, I like to ask, when's the last time you cried at the movies? When's the last time I cried at the movies? Um, I just saw Toy Story 2 the other day. Toy Story 2? Yeah. yeah. Not 4. 2. I haven't seen 4 yet. I've been trying to watch Catch them all okay. before I go. And... Uh, I, that scene, you know, the one that always makes me cry is the uh, scene uh, with Emily when she loved me. The Sarah McLaughlin mm -hmm. song played her story. Well, anytime her. you hear Sarah McLaughlin, you know, just cry. It's either a <laughs> dog crying or a <laughs> doll who got left by their owner. So, so that always, always gets me. I think that's just one of the best movies mm. ever made. That's one of my favorite Pixar movies. Um, and so I cried in that, and that was day before yesterday. Wow, so very recent. So are you a movie crier? I am more and more. You know, for me, I felt like for a long time I was pretty detached from my emotions. <laughs> I didn't cry. I would only, you know, and that's what we sort of talk about it in Stuber, which yeah. is like men are detached from their emotions. The only manly emotion is anger, you know? 
you can't be sad, you can't even be joyful, you can't be scared, it's not manly. And so for me, the last few years, it started happening when I started taking acting classes for the big sake. I really had to get in touch with my emotions, and that's when I really started crying at movies Did it again. scare you? It scared me in that I felt like I'd wasted a lot of time not not processing and feeling all the mm. stuff inside me. I felt like I denied myself the, you know beauty of emotional Emotions. experience yeah i think wow. it's really beautiful i'm getting emotional just talking about it and so so um i love crying at movies i, I love uh yeah so 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 uh the yeah, so toy story 2 was two days ago and i'm trying to think what i saw before that i saw spider-man which i love but i did not cry in spider-man mm-hmm. i saw midsummer did not you, cry in that, but was was okay. did feel a lot of other well, stuff. Actually, this podcast is the week before this podcast airs. Is Jack, I have Jack Rayner, oh, who plays Christian. That movie is so crazy. Yeah, my God, what an intense movie! What an intense! It's just it just got freakier and freakier and freakier and freakier. Yeah, and I loved Hereditary and. Uh, I you know you're crazy huh you're a little demented well I love horror movies Emily and I both love horror movies right and we're I feel like in this era where horror movies are legitimate again but we've seen a lot of bad ones when you now we're getting to see these sort of really really well made horror movies by these like great filmmakers are you and Emily working on one well (laughs) we have an idea but I don't feel like we're ready to do it yet um to me, horror movies are still like sort of a magic trick I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Every other movie you watch and you can be like, even if it's really well made, you can sort of see like, oh, they did this, they did this. But horror, it feels like magic to me. Like, but get you, out. I mean, you do have a relationship with that guy, Jordan Peele. I know. Twilight Zone. Yeah, you I know. You could call him and say, hey, is this working? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I'd be like, hey, just cast me in the next one. That'll be enough. What's the movie that inspired you to be an actor? When you think back, you looked at a movie and you said, that's it. Wow. It's hard, um, huh? To be an actor—that's a really good question. I've never been asked that before, because I know what movies made me fall in love with movies. But what movie inspired me to be an actor? That you looked up at and said, "You know what? I could do that. That's what I want to do." Or that I want to do that. Right. I don't know if I ever thought, like, <laughs> "Oh yeah, I could do that." You know, to me, the conversation is a movie. I think Gene Hackman in the mm-hmm. conversation. I think that performance is so, 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 yeah. so good and such a. It's so towering. It's so, mm-hmm. so. You know, to me, that's like the high mark of of acting, um, and uh, that's a movie I think about a lot when I think about uh, acting. What's a movie that you could watch over and over again and never gets boring? Weirdly, I've seen Groundhog Day many times. Uh, over and over yeah, again. I know. I mean, it's, it's gonna be. Each time you watch it, it feels like you've watched it four <laughs> times, but I love it. I've seen Four Weddings at a Funeral many times. <laughs> a lot of rom-coms. I've seen no. Notting Hill many times. Um, I've seen Shaun of the Dead many times. I've seen Casablanca many, many times. I'm a movie rewatcher. If yeah. I like a movie, I'll watch it over and over. See, um, a lot of times I'm like, wait a minute, but there's so many movies I haven't I know. seen yet. It's so the like, same thing. But my husband could watch a movie over yeah. and White Chicks. <laughs> I haven't seen White Chicks. Oh my God, so many people I talked to haven't seen White Chicks. Okay, you just have to watch. I mean, the movie would never get made today. Right. Um, but my husband sits there and he literally recites, literally wow. going along with the script. Yeah. When I, I've told this to people before, when I introduced him to Busy Phillips, it was like, I could introduce him to the biggest movie star in the world, but Busy Phillips from White Chicks? 
that's what he was most excited about. I didn't know about. Busy Phillips was in White Chicks. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You got to check it out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'll put that next. I'll put that on my list. Yeah, no, I, I rewatch movies. I listen to the commentary. Then I watch all the special features. And I watch the movie again. I just did that with Zodiac. I was like, I haven't seen Zodiac in a while. So I watched it, watched all the special features, listened to the commentary. <laughs> I sort of had a Zodiac week. And do you watch your own movies? No. Uh, there's a lot of movies I'm in that I've not watched. Really? Uh, but then some I've watched many times, like The Big Sick. We, you know, we were editing that for months. I would so hope I've you're seen, watching that. I've seen that many, <laughs> many, many times. And then I've seen the finished product of that many, many, many times right. with different audiences. Because I, I was like, it was the first time I saw a movie where I was like, oh, I like everything in this movie. Oh, you that's know, amazing. It's because we got to make right. it, so it's obviously and it earned you an Oscar nomination. Yeah. Hello. There's only one little thing in the movie that I don't like that well, I never like. I'm not going to talk about come it. Come on. All come right. On, There's a little on, thing that me. we had to do for editing. Yeah. There's a little joke where it's a scene where it's me, Holly Hunter, and Ray Romano in her apartment, and it's our first bonding scene. And there's a scene where we're all drinking wine, and Ray says, I'm not a lightweight. And she's like, He's going to be asleep within an hour. And he's like, No, I'm not. And then it hard cuts to him asleep on the couch. I never liked that edit. We had to do it because that wine scene was much longer and it just wasn't working mm -hmm. and we needed like a snappy edit and that was the easiest thing to do. And it gets an okay laugh, but it's like a joke I've seen in other movies. Right. You know, it's a little bit, you little bit see it coming. Right. When you see it, you're like, oh, that's that joke. So <laughs> I, that's the only joke in the whole movie that I'm like, I don't love that one. I know why we had to do it. It was this, like a shortcut. And that's the only thing you don't like in the movie? That's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, this thing, you know, it's. I was just thinking about this. I was like, if we made it now, how would it be different? It would be pretty different, but I don't think we can... Come I on, can you can reboot it. it for Netflix. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'll have someone play me this time, and now Emily can play herself. <laughs> this um, is amazing. But but uh, And I've seen Stuber many times with an audience, but there's a lot of movies I'm in that I haven't watched because, honestly, there's a lot of movies that I've done that I was like... I don't know. It's just this name is... one or two. You could just name one or two. I think if you go through my MDB, you'll be able to guess which ones I was too scared to watch. Awesome. You're amazing. Thank, Thank you for you. stopping by. This oh, was great. Thanks for having me. That was Kumal Nanjiani. Thanks for listening to this week's Big Ticket. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. Coming up next week, the cast of The Lion King, Seth Rogen, Billy Eichner, Michael Keegan Key, Alfrey Woodard, and so much more. Make sure to come back next Thursday for The Big Ticket. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter, at Mark Malkin. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today. 
at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.